Today's Mother's Day, so I want to um, begin with one of my favorite uh, passages about mothers. And so uh, many of you know it, it's Proverbs 31. And I'm not going to read the whole, the whole chapter. This is a chapter about the virtuous, virtuous woman or the godly woman. But there's one little verse in this chapter that I've always loved. And it's a verse that says this. It says of this woman that her children rise up and they call her blessed. And her husband praises her too. So her children, they rise up and they call her blessed. But what does it mean to call your mother blessed? I mean, what does this word mean? I remember um, years ago, uh, me and the boys, we got Anita a little card for Mother's Day. And it was one of those cards, you know, that you open up and there's, there's a song that comes out of it. There's singing that comes out. And so the little song that came out when you opened up this card, it said, this is our mom. She is the bomb. <laughs> I love that. This is our mom. She is the bomb. And, you know, you kind of think of that when you read this passage. Is that what the kids are saying? Mom, you're the bomb. You, we're rising up. We're calling you blessed. You're awesome. Go, Mom. What does it mean to call your mother blessed? Well, Psalm 1, which is the, uh, actually, this is the psalm we're going to be looking at today. This psalm gives us a wonderful uh, descriptive image or, or metaphor about what it means to be blessed. This psalm describes the blessed person. This is what it means to call your mother blessed. The image is of a tree, a tree planted by the water. And it's a picture of uh, stability. I mean, here's a tree that is stable. The roots have gone down deep. And so the storms of life come, but it doesn't move the tree. It doesn't move the blessed person. They're stable. It's also a, a, a picture of a person of substance. Uh, they're a person of character. They, they're a person that their character has stood the test of time. They're a deep-rooted person. Uh, it's a fruitful person, uh, meaning that, they have, that they're uh, helpful for others. They're providing nourish, nourishment for everybody around them. It's a picture of protection. So uh, all the, uh, the animals of the, of the, of the uh, ecosystem are, are finding shade under the protection of this tree. It's a beautiful image of a wise, mature, stable person. This is what you are, mom. And, and I don't know about you, but there, the moms in my life, this is exactly the way they are. My, my mom is like this. Mom, if you're listening, you are like a tree. You are our anchor. You are stable. You are rooted. You are mature. You kind of anchor down the family. My wife is like this. It's a wonderful image, but I think it's an image that's not just for moms. I think all of us want to be this type of person. All of us want to be like that tree, you know, that stable, wise, growing, fruitful person. We all want to be blessed. And uh, David Brooks, he's a, he's a, a contributor to the, uh, op, the uh, New York Times op-ed section uh, he, a lot, and he, he wrote a book on virtue, and he said that there are uh, resume virtues and eulogy virtues. So resume virtues are the uh, virtues that you put on your resume. I was valedictorian. I was vice president of the Fortune 500 company. I graduated from this school with this award, with this honor, with this GPA. These are things that we put on our resume. They're important. But he says there are other virtues that are far more important. These are eulogy virtues. These are the character traits that are discussed at your funeral. And we all want to be those types of people that at our funeral, we are, we are talked about, we are discussed as a person of wisdom, a person of substance, a person who has developed a life of character. 
We want to be like this tree. We want to be blessed. The question is, how do we become that type of person? Well, uh, Psalm 1, it tells us, it not only gives us a description of the blessed person, but it tells us how to become a person like this. It gives us the pathway to blessing. And specifically, it says uh, one thing. It says if you're going to become a person of, of blessedness, if you're going to be like this tree, you've got to learn how to cultivate one thing. There is one thing that all wise people have in common. They have learned how to cultivate the, virtue, the uh, practice of meditation. Psalm 1 is about meditation. It tells us med meditation is the pathway to maturity. Um, interestingly, the Psalms, this is a, the Psalms are a prayer book uh, filled with prayers, but Psalm 1 is not a prayer. It's a meditation. It is a meditation on the art of meditation. It tells us how to do it. And you know, a mature person is, is someone who, uh, you know, the word of God is what makes a mature person. But how do you get the word of God into your life? How do you get the word of God uh, into, your, into your, uh, your, your psychology and your personhood so that you become a person of fruit? Well, the way you do it is the same way the tree draws from the stream. You must draw the, the, the word of God into your heart, into your roots. The way you do that is through meditation. And so what does it mean to meditate? Well, Psalm 1, I think, gives us four vital aspects of meditation. It gives us four things that meditation, true meditation, involves. And we're going to look at those four things this morning. Um, so number one, you've got to give your attention. Number two, you've got to slow down. Number three, you need to delight your heart. And number four, you need to permeate your life. Give your attention, slow your mind, delight your heart, and permeate your life. We're going to look at those four things, four aspects of meditation. First, he says, give your attention. And notice at the beginning of the psalm, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Someone describes two types of people. Uh, they're, they're first is the person who is giving their attention to the wrong thing. They are uh, walking in the counsel of the ungodly. They are standing in the way of sinners. They're sitting in the seat of scoffers. They are giving their attention to ungodly counsel. Now, in contrast, there's another type of person who gives their attention to God and his law. Meditation begins, begins with the decision of what you're going to give your undivided attention to. To ungodly counsel or to God and his law? And this way we see that Christian meditation is different than Eastern meditation. Um, Eastern meditation is about emptying your mind of all rational thought. But Christian meditation is about filling your mind with the right thing. It's all about knowing what to give your attention to. And what do we give our attention to? Well, the psalmist says that the person who knows how to meditate is the one who's decided to give their attention to God's law. What is God's law? Uh, it's not just God's commandments. I mean, it, it's, it involves that, but it's much more than that. The, the word there is the Torah, and the Torah is the word for the first five books of the Bible. Later on, Jesus uh, talks about the law, and he says, haven't you heard what was written in the law? And then he quotes a psalm. And so this, the, the law is much more than simply uh, commandments. It is all of scripture. 
It is the stories and the history and the poems and the wisdom liter literature and the commandments that are all in God's law. And so this, this psalm is talking about a person who's a focused reader who intends to fill their thinking and feeling with profound truth woven into the Bible's beautiful and complex story. It's a person who's decided to give their attention to the scripture. And it causes us to ask a question, what are we giving our attention to? What are you giving your undivided attention to? You see, all of us are giving our attention to someone or something. The question is, are you giving your attention to God and his word? Because whatever you're giving your attention to is shaping your life. Whatever has your undivided attention is determining the, the direction of your, the rest of your life. What you think about most often is shaping the way you act, feel, and respond to the circumstances of life. Are you giving your attention to God and his word, or are you giving it to something else? Another way to put it is, is what grabs your attention when you first wake up in the morning? For a lot of us, what has our attention is our iPhone. <laughs> the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning is you grab your iPhone and you begin scrolling down your feed. Uh, for others of us, it's, it's the daily news. That's our object of meditation. That's, that's what has our attention most of the time. For others, others of us, sadly, it is uh, the entertainment around us. Uh, Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all the other things that are out there are the things that are mostly grabbing our attention. What grabs your attention is shaping your life. And so what this psalm is telling us is that we need to be good stewards of our minds. What are you putting into your mind? What are you giving your attention to? What do you think about most often? You know, a lot of times, what, all you need to do is look at your internet history, and that will tell you what, you are, what your object of meditation is. And Christian meditation begins with a decision that you are going to give God your undivided attention. His word is going to be my meditation, and not something else. So first, he says, uh, this person is a person who's given God their undivided attention. Second of all, this is a person that has learned how to slow down their mind. They've learned how to slow down their mind. Meditation is not just studying scripture, but it is slowly thinking about scripture so that, so that the scripture goes down deep. How do you read things? I don't know about you, but for me, uh, the way I read uh, is increasingly uh, just really fast and scattered. I jump from thing to thing. A lot of, of what I read, I kind of, I'll skim through it or I might read, you know, the first part of this blog or this essay and decide I've got it and then I'll move on to something else. I read a book um, several years ago. It was called The Shallows. And it was written by a guy named Nicholas Carr. And he, he said, the internet has shaped the way we read and think and has caused us to become shallow thinkers. Our mind just kind of skips from thing to thing and we've forgotten how to really meditate how to slow down our mind and read deeply. This is what he says. He says, what the internet seems to be doing is chipping away my capacity for concentration and contemplation. Whether I'm online or not, my mind now expects to take in information the way the internet distributes it, distributes it in a swiftly moving stream of particles. 
And then he says, once I was a scuba, di scuba diver in the sea of words, now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. Listen, if you're gonna learn how to meditate, you need to learn how to think more deeply. You need to slow down your mind. And you need, to, you need to just kind of read scripture at, at kind of a, a, a snail's pace. What's interesting is the, the word meditate here in Hebrew is uh, the, the same word that means murmur. I guess in the ancient world, uh, they, they would read out loud to themselves, so they would seem, as they meditated, they would kind of mutter or murmur to themselves. In Isaiah, though, the same word is used of a lion who is gnawing on, on a bone of its prey. Now think about that. That's what it means to meditate. It means to gnaw on the scripture the same way an animal gnaws on a bone. Have you ever seen your dog gnaw on a bone? Or your cat? Cats don't gnaw on bones. <laughs> Have you ever looked at your dog gnawing on a bone? My dog Chartis can spend an hour with her bone. You get close to her, she'll growl at you. But she just chews and chews and slowly uh, you know, takes in this bone so that the layers come off little by little. And she just is able to nourish herself on it. This is the way we're supposed to read the scripture. You, you read it slowly. You let it dwell in you richly. And script, scripture is multi-layered. It's multi-dimensional. And the more you read it, the more slowly you, you read it, the more you're going to get out of it. Scripture, like all good art, rarely reveals its secret, secrets the first time around. You've got to spend time with it. You've got to allow it to permeate your life. Some of you like to barbecue, and think about it as marinating a piece of meat. You know, you put the meat in there, and you, you let it marinate for hours and hours and hours so that the, the various spices permeate the, uh, the texture of the meat. And the way uh, Scripture permeate, permeates your heart and life is by you spending time with them. Usually we take in lots of information on a surface level, but meditation is taking in a small amount of information on a deep level. And so he says, I meditate on the word of God day and night. I spend time with it. I allow it to permeate my life. Thirdly, he says that meditation uh, involves delighting your heart. So notice he says, I meditate on the scripture day and night. And he also says that he delights in the scripture. Now, delight is a word of affection. It's a word of devotion. And what he's saying is that when I'm meditating on the scripture, this is not just a mental and rational activity. It is something that involves my affections. And so meditating is when you, pray, you read the scripture and you, you get to a point where it begins to warm your heart. The old Puritans used to talk about um, understanding scripture in terms of light and heat. Uh, light is when, you, when the light bulbs go off in your mind and you get a new insight from scripture and it sheds light on the world and the way you think and the way you understand life. But heat is when it begins to warm your heart. It's when you, you begin to experience a calmness or a joy or a gratitude because you're reading scripture. It's when it moves from your head to your heart. Uh, there's an old Puritan who talks about, um, 
how to get the scripture into your heart. And this is what he says. This is Richard Baxter. And he says, uh, plead thyself from a clod to a flame, from a forgetful sinner and a lover of the world to an ardent lover of God, from a fearful coward to a resolved Christian, from an unfaithful sadness to a joyful life. In a word, till thou hast pleaded thy heart from earth to heaven. So he's talking about getting the scripture into your heart so that it begins to change not only the way you think, but the way you feel. And so it involves warming your heart. But I think delight is also a word that describes cultivating your heart. It involves learning how to love the scripture. And this is so, so important because, you know, for many of us, uh, we come to the scripture cold. And I've heard it so many times as a pastor. Maybe you felt this way. I've certainly felt this way. You think, you know what? I have no desire to read the scripture right now. I just have no desire. I would rather pick up the news. I'd rather read, you know, an article. I'd rather watch Netflix. I'd rather do anything than read the scripture. I just don't have any desire to do it. But listen, scripture so often is about cultivating your desires. You may not come with a desire to read it naturally. But it's about cultivating a love for it, cultivating a desire for it. And have you ever noticed that this is the way most of the best uh, things in life work? You know, you've got to cultivate a, a, a hunger for the best things in life. Good art takes cultivation. Good food takes cultivation. And, re- and learning to appreciate scripture takes a cultivation. You know, um, this, this year, I, uh, I, I, did a, I, start, I did a New Year's resolution uh, to uh, lay off the sugar in my diet. And so some of the staff know this. I've been kind of trying to stay away from sugar, and I've actually been doing pretty good. But here's the thing about it. It was so hard to develop this. Because the, the thing that I want, my immediate gratification, what I really wanted was to eat, I wanted to eat sweet stuff. You know, I'd look at things, and I, I wanted the cookie. I wanted the ice cream. That's the thing I immediately wanted. It it took work to say no to the sugar and yes to the broccoli. Still takes work to do that. But I'll tell you that over time, my my, my tastes are developing. They're being cultivated. And in fact, um, last Wednesday, we we had an elder meeting at noon and I hadn't had any lunch yet. So I was super hungry and there was nothing around to eat. So I went down and I asked Barbara, who's our Administrator, I said, Barbara, is there any food in the office here? And she said, well, the only thing that we've got is uh, Oreo cookies. But I, w- I was so hungry, and I-, I thought, well, maybe I'll just have an Oreo cookie just to get something in me. And so I went back uh, in the back part of the office, and I, I grabbed these uh, Oreo thins. This is a uh, salted caramel flavor. And, and so I-, I grabbed these and opened them up, and I kind of lost my mind. And I, I plowed through, I won't even tell you how many, but I just started, you know, I just kind of took these things in and, and I ate them up. And um, I'll tell you what, they tasted good. I won't, I'm not going to lie, they tasted pretty good, but they didn't taste as good as I remembered. They were a little too sweet, a little too syrupy. And it's, it's because my tastes have been developed. You develop a taste for what you feed on. And so what the psalmist is saying is that I've spent so much time with the scripture and it's such a part of my diet that I'm learning to delight in it. I'm developing a taste for it. 
The same way you might develop a taste for, for better food or better art or better music, you can develop a taste for scripture. What are you feeding on? What is part of your diet on a daily basis? What are you putting in front of your mind? You will develop a taste for what you feed on. I was reading an article this last week about a woman who was helping her kids eat better, and she says, when our kids don't like the taste of something I've made for dinner, they're not allowed to say yuck. My kids say yuck all the time, but her kids, they're not allowed to say yuck. She says, we've taught them to say instead, I haven't acquired a taste for it yet. As the chef, I want to know what disagrees with them, but I also want them to know what, that learning to like new food is a process, hence not the yet. I read somewhere that you have to offer your kids new food 10 or more times before they even will try it. I've experienced something sim similar when it comes to the food that I feed my kids, and it's the same way with scripture. Develop a taste for it. It may be hard the first time around, but the more you bring it in, the more you will begin to love it. Some scriptures are easy to love. You know, you might open your Bible and get lucky and get some a wonderful scripture that's easy to delight in, but most scripture takes time and learning the context and learning how to read to begin to enjoy it. The psalmist says, I'm beginning to enjoy the scripture. I'm delighting in it. Number three, or number four, uh, the, the final aspect of meditation is permeating your life with the Bible. So first, uh, he says, give your attention, decide what you're going to give your attention to, the scripture or something else. All of us are paying attention to something. Second of all, slow down. Uh, meditation is different than study. It's, it's slowly letting the scripture permeate your life. It's reading deeply. Thirdly, it involves cultivating your desires, you know, sp spending so much time with it that you begin to love what you read. You, you actually desire it the first thing that you wake up in the morning. And finally, it involves permeating your life. So notice the guy says, um, I, read this, I, I meditate on the scripture day and night. Now, what does he mean day and night? Does it mean that he's constantly you know, reading his Bible, he's carrying it around all the time? I don't think so. I think it could mean that he reads it first thing in the morning and the last thing that he does before he goes to bed at night. Morning and evening, day and night. I tend to think that he means that he's bringing the scripture to bear on the daily circumstances of life. He's learning how to, to bring the scripture uh, into his activities. He's meditating on it, not only in the morning, but in all the different situations that he experiences in life. And so, for example, uh, maybe it's somebody that, you know, they, they've got a, a stressful meeting in the morning and they're walking into those doors and they're, they're learning what scripture applies to this situation right now. Maybe it's, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in this meeting, <laughs> thou art with me. Whatever it is, they're learning how to take the scripture and apply it to a, a situation. Or maybe with the kids at home and everybody's frazzled and, and, and everything is loud and, and chaotic and you go down to you know, Philippians chapter four and you, you pray for peace that guards your heart like a garrison. You remember Jesus when he was tempted by the devil and for every single temptation, Jesus had a scripture that met that particular uh, you know, situation. And so scripture is permeating your life 
You're learning how to, to weave it into your daily activities so that, that, that it walks with you and goes with you throughout your day. Notice that the tree is not a funnel. It's not that the tree brings in the water and then spits out the water. The, water, the, the tree is able to turn the water into fruit. And how do you learn to turn the water into fruit? Fruit is activity. Fruit is a good works and good deeds. A fruit is learning how to live life well. How do you learn how to do it? We gotta carry scripture with you. And you have to learn how to apply it to each situation to turn that particular, particular uh, situation and the response to that situation into fruit. It's permeating your life. It's coming with you as you walk throughout your day. And so this is scripture meditation. And my prayer is that we all learn how to do this. The psalmist is saying, this is how you become a person of character and substance. This is how you become a great tree. It's by over time throughout your life, learning this wonderful discipline of meditation. The word of God is out there and you're here. How do you get the word of God into your life, into your heart to permeate every circumstance? Well, you've got to learn how to meditate. You bring the word of God into your roots, into your heart. You take it up through meditation so that it changes your life. Let me end with uh, some pastoral application here. First, as you learn how to do this, um, I, want, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Just don't give up. Because a lot of you have tried and you've, you've attempted at this and you've You've, you've tried to read the scripture and maybe it's been dry and it hasn't really felt like it's working and, and you're, you're tempted just to get rid of it and, and just say, you know, this just didn't work for me. I want to encourage you, do not give up. Notice the fruit from a tree, it says it, it, it comes out in due season. This means it takes time, it takes cultivation, it takes work, it doesn't happen automatically. You may not see the results of meditation, but the results, they come over time. You know, eulogy virtues are, that we mentioned at the beginning, these are things that come at the end of, as you look back at the end of your life, you say, oh, I've become this kind of person. And so meditation is, is something that it doesn't show automatically necessarily. It takes time, it takes work, but it will come. You know, when I first moved into my house here in Batesville, um, you know, we have trees all around the house. Seven years ago, I looked at them, and, and now I look at them. They don't look like they've changed at all. What's interesting is there was a Google Earth picture of my house, and when you look at the picture of Google Earth, uh, that you actually can see there has been change. It's just it's been so slow that I haven't been able to see it. And this is the way character works. So don't give up. Keep on trying. Daily meditate on the Word of God. It will bear fruit in your life. I want to encourage you also to don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up because you're going to fail at this. Uh, you are going to get up in the morning and you're going to grab your iPhone and you're going to get caught up in your you know, internet feed or whatever and you will fail. Some days will be great. Some days won't be great. It's going to come in fits and starts. But do not uh, be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up over this. God's mercies are new every morning. That means every morning you get a new opportunity to try this again. God's forgiveness is endless. God is endlessly merciful. He knows our frame. He knows that we are but, but dust. He knows that we are frail, and God is so patient with you. 
So even if you failed, just know that tomorrow morning is a new day. Monday morning is a brand new day to try again. Don't beat yourself up. And then finally, I want to encourage you, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Because as you meditate on scripture, really the whole point of this thing is to lead you to Jesus. Jesus is the main point of scripture. He is the person that the scripture wants to introduce you to. Meditating on the scripture is more than just coming up with a new insight. It's more than just getting an encouragement for the day. It's more than just, be, just gaining a whole bunch of new information. It's about meeting a person. The whole point of scripture is to bring you to Jesus. In fact, someone said this last week that the scripture is like the wise men in the Christmas story. They lead us to Jesus. And so in all of your meditating, in all of your time spent with scripture, always be asking the question, what does this say about Jesus? How does this point me to Jesus? How does this bring me to commune with him and know him better? Because it's possible to know your Bible and to, to meditate, meditate on it even. In fact, uh, Jesus, he told the Pharisees of his day, the religious people of his day, you know the scripture, but you haven't, you've missed me. Somehow you've, you, you know the scripture so well and you failed to miss the main point of it. Jesus Christ, his grace, his love for you, his desire to fill you and to fellowship with you is the whole point of scripture. So don't miss Jesus. Now this week, um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna send out a little uh, video where I'm gonna talk about some real specific ways that you could meditate, some kind of uh, techniques that people have developed over the years. Didn't have time to do it in this sermon. But for now, let me just encourage you to get a notebook, uh, grab a pen or a pencil, open up your Bible, maybe start in the book of John or the book of Psalms. It's a great place to start. Book of Proverbs, and just learn how to give your attention and go through it slowly Learn how to develop a taste and permeate your life with the Torah, the law of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this uh, scripture, Psalm 1, that tells us about the importance of meditation. God, we want to be like trees. We want to develop these, these virtues that, that make us a, a people of substance and stability and fruitfulness. We want to be like those trees. And so we pray that you'd help us to take your word in, your word that makes us wise. Help us to take it in through meditation. Help us to make space in our lives to quiet our environments so that, that we do not miss this most vital practice. And I pray that the people of Fellowship Bible Church would grow in their faith, God, that we might be people that exhibit your wonderful character in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name.